happened again. It's happened again. Parents of America, it's happened again. Right after a period in which teachers union officials, most prominently American Federation of Teachers President Randy Weingarten, conducted a preposterous public relations campaign to make themselves the supposed driving forces of post-COVID school reopenings, teachers unions are shutting schoolhouse doors again. The fiercest battle against the most entrenched adversary rages in Chicago, the Chicago Teachers Union is conducting an industrial action to avoid going to schools to work. Joining me to discuss that union, its radical history, and the ongoing state of play facing Chicago parents is Miley Smith, Director of Labor Policy at the Illinois Policy Institute. Uh, Miley, before we begin, could you tell us a little bit about yourself and your work with IPI? Sure, I would be glad to. Like you said, I am the Director of Labor Policy at Illinois Policy Institute, and in that role, we track what goes on with government unions across the state of Illinois. And as you mentioned, Chicago Teachers Union is not only one of the most militant in our state, but also across the nation. But part and parcel with that is our effort to ensure that our government workers here know what their rights are. And that includes the ability to opt out of their unions if they aren't happy with the way their unions are behaving. And we see that a lot with Chicago Teachers Union and other unions around the state. Um, Illinois Federation of Teachers itself lost over 18,500 dues and fees payers between 2017 and 2020. Um, this, and was, this was over the period that the Janus case was exactly, decided. Exactly. And, so, and, Illinois, and Illinois, just for those who don't know, is a forced unionism state and always has been. That is correct. Right. So that Janus decision happened and it freed workers here, government workers, to be able to make that decision for themselves. And so, you know, not only are, do we watch what goes on with the unions across the state and how much money that costs taxpayers, but we're also here for the workers to make sure they know what their rights are. I see. Uh, so I guess for our listeners, let's start with the background on schooling on public schooling in Chicago and across Illinois since March 2020. Um, how long were the schools closed and how severe have the lockdown and masking restrictions on kids been? You know, it really has differed from district to district. And Chicago Public Schools, unfortunately, it's the largest school district in the state and those kids have also suffered the greatest length of time out of school. Um, once the shutdown happened in 2020, those kids were out of school for over a year before they were back into in-person so learning. They so they barely got back in at the end of 2020-2021. It was like the last quarter of school that they were in. That hasn't been the case for the rest of the state. Um, just like the rest of the nation has had varied examples of school districts opening with success, we saw that here in Illinois as well. So further downstate, there were schools that were open day one from August you know, through June of the last school year without any sort of shutdowns or any, um, you know, any outbreaks of COVID-19. Mm -hmm. So Chicago really does stand out as 
an outlier in the state even because we we know that schools can open and do so safely and ensure that kids are getting the in-person education that they need. Right. I mean, there's been plenty of evidence that's come out that basically remote learning isn't worth that name, uh, that the, the learning loss is real and severe. That's exactly right. That academic gap, and not just the academic gap, but the, the social and the emotional toll that it has taken on youth has been excessive in some cases. And we're seeing that our, our officials are, are recognizing that, um, including the Illinois Department of Public Health, recognizing that it's important for children to be in school um, and, and their their quote was to, you know, not not only for the learning loss aspect of remote learning, but also the worsening mental health aspect. Mm-hmm. Um, so we need to make sure that the kids are in school. Unfortunately, the kids are not what Chicago Teachers Union has been all about during this time. Well, and that, that brings us, I guess. I mean, we mentioned earlier how radical Chicago Teachers Union is. I think I think a brief sort of potted history of CTU would be useful for our listeners who may not be quite so familiar with them. Sure. So Chicago Teachers Union is is the largest um, affiliate of the Illinois Federation of Teachers, which is which, is, which is which is itself an, an affiliate of the American Federation of Teachers headed by Randy Weingarten. Exactly. And they have a long history of holding students and teachers hostage in order to get what they want. Um, They've had four work stoppages or strikes in the last 10 years alone. Um, And and that there there were others before that as well. But just in in the last 10 years, four four work stoppages. Um, In 2012, they were out, kids were out for seven days. And in the aftermath of that strike, um, the school district had to close 50 schools and lay off thousands of teachers and workers. So we, we see that the end result of these strikes is still not good for the kids. Um, in 2016, there was a one day strike that was determined by our labor board to be likely illegal. Um, in 2019, they had that, that being that, I'm sorry, that, that being the state public, whatever your public employee relations <laughs> entity is. Yeah, the Illinois Educational Labor Relations Board determined that that strike was likely illegal. Just like and just and just for right and just for our for our listeners, the National Labor Relations Board only deals with the private sector. Every state has its own rules and its own adjudicating board or own adjudicating system for government workers. Exactly. Exactly. So then in 2019, they were out and and remember this was the 2019 to 2020 school year, which ended with COVID. But at the beginning of that year in 2019, kids missed 11 days of school because the the teachers union was out on strike. And here we are in 2022 um, with an, you know multiple days of school that kids are missing because the teachers union is refusing to report to school. But this is all par for the course for Chicago Teachers Union. They they actually pride it, it prides itself in laying the groundwork for other teacher strikes. So after its 2012 teacher strike, it it claims that it was the uh, impetus for other teacher strikes that happened. This is the red for red for ed wave. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yes, that that it was, you know, the response it was the the uh, ability and the the work that Chicago Teachers Union did to go on strike 
that led to these other strikes, some of which were illegal as well. So we do know that that Chicago Teachers Union, you, you mentioned it is militant, but their purpose here isn't for the kids. It isn't necessarily for the teachers. It is to extend its power, to extend its control into areas that are likely illegal activity and encouraging other unions to do so as well. What are some of those areas? What are some of those areas? So I think first and foremost, and is is this p- potential that what they are doing right now is an illegal strike. And what I mean by that, you mentioned that states have their own rules on how unions interplay with their government and government officials. Well, in Illinois, teachers are allowed to go on strike, but teachers unions have to fulfill a number of metrics before they go on strike. One of those metrics is that there cannot be a contract in place. Well, right there, we have a contract in place between Chicago Public Schools and Chicago Teachers Union. So right there, one of the metrics is not met because they have a contract in place. Um, There has to be a certain amount of mediation that happens first before they can go out and strike. They have to give um, notice before they go out on strike to the labor board. None of this has happened, not to mention the fact that they do have a contract in place. So by failing to report to school, what Chicago Teachers Union is doing is asking their teachers to engage in what is likely an illegal strike. And I say likely an illegal strike because what what Chicago Teachers Union is trying to do is get around it by saying- Yeah, they're trying to say that that they're (laughs) reporting to work remotely. Yes. So Hashtag that, Lori is, lockout. Yeah, right. that is a gray area. Does being willing to report to work via Zoom count as coming report to, to work, work? Air quotes. Report to yes. work. Air quotes. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yes. Um, and obviously that is up to the labor board, our educational labor relations board, to decide. And and I I know that Lori Lightfoot. Um, and other officials have talked about this being a potential illegal strike, and I wouldn't doubt that they would pursue those legal ends um, when it gets to that point. But I think right now their main concern is trying to get kids back into the classrooms. So I, I guess that brings us to like the what are how are local officials dealing with it? How are uh, are local officials taking any action to either bring in people who are willing to go back to go back to work under the conditions that they're supposed to be working in school uh, or uh, by going to court to get an injunction, going to the labor labor relations authority uh, to get a back to work order. Has any of that happened or is it all just sort of arguing in public? At this point in time, I have not seen anything that has gone to the labor board, but our labor board does not update timely <laughs> on its website, so that it would require a, a FOIA. Um, for the most part, it seems to be argued in public. But what I did notice this time, as opposed to a year ago, when the union kept kids from going back to in-person learning, is that the school district has said that there are schools open. Um, it did say that 10% of its workforce, its teachers reported to work on Wednesday, the first day that um, CTU was participating in this work stoppage. Um, so we do know that 
they are open. Like if a teacher wants to go to school and and potentially teach their children, and if if parents have nowhere for their child to go, the school doors are open, which is a little bit different than what we've seen in the past with past strikes. Mm-hmm. So so there is so there is less support both from the government and from the union for this industrial action than previous ones. Yeah, I think so. And I think what is interesting is that um, when they took a vote on whether or not to walk out, they they had 20,000 of their 25,000 members um, who were eligible to vote, only 20,000 voted, and they only received um, a 73% um, vote for this work stoppage. And when you have looked- And th- those of us who do those of us who do labor relations, that is a, it, that sounds like a strong majority. It's actually exceptionally low. It's Usually fair. when they go out on strike, it's like 95 or greater. Right, that's what I was strike ballot. Cast strikes, we've seen between 95% and like 99% of teachers who vote, vote to go on strike. So this is an incredibly low percentage. And I think that taken with the anecdotal experience that I have seen and we have seen at Illinois Policy Institute of teachers who flock to us, particularly during these times, asking us what they can do to avoid the work stoppage and go to work and still get paid. Um, There seems to be very little support for this. This is all a union power play, not about the teachers, not about the kids. It is about them cementing themselves as the authority in the city of Chicago. So that actually is a good segue uh, into, so, you know, you had around a quarter of teachers who voted in the union ballot not to have the strike. Obviously, you have others who may not have participated or who may not be union members who do not intend to participate in the strike. What sort of options do they have? That's a great question. So the way if that that it looks to a teacher is they, you know, have two options in front of them. They can walk out and honor this work stoppage, um, but potentially be disciplined by the school, including loss of pay for those days. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, if they're a, a union member and they go to work, they could be disciplined by the union. And, and that could include a fine. So that's really interesting that the union has put teachers in a position where they are going to lose pay. They're going to lose money. Right, it's, a lo- it's a lose-lose. It is a lose-lose for teachers. But they do have other options that the union doesn't want them to know about. And that is, um, number one, teachers can opt out of the union without losing any benefits. So they can stop their union membership. They can go in to work and get paid and not fear any sort of union punishment for crossing that picket line. And they're still Mm -hmm. guaranteed their salary, their raises, healthcare, seniority, anything that is a benefit. anything Anything under the union contract is a condition of that monopoly bargaining that the state of Illinois has given Chicago Teachers Union uh, that all cannot be denied to non-union members. If that's right. It's guaranteed regardless of their union membership. So they can opt out without losing any of that and still go in and go to work and get their day's pay. Um, and we also tell teachers that they can join another association that promotes professionalism and collaboration and the teaching profession. Um, one of the organizations that I mentioned to teachers is the Association of American Educators. That is a group that provides liability insurance and job protection coverage. Right, this is this is sort of the classic reason, you know, if you, when people talk about, you know, well, shouldn't the teachers just exercise their Janus rights, quit the union? 
what it kind of immediately pops up is, well, no, because the, the union will only let me get insurance against being sued if I'm a union member and therefore I have to be part of the union or some crazy parent's going to sue right. me for who knows what. Right. That And that is something that we hear. And that's why we point to these other organizations like AAE, because they provide that liability insurance. They provide job protection coverage. They have um, attorneys that they contract with if you have a question uh, about something that's happening at work. And it is a fraction of the cost of union membership. So, so teachers do have options. They can opt out of the union. They can join another association that provides, you know, not just the liability insurance, but that camaraderie, the professional, um, the professional skills. Professional development. And exactly. That they could potentially get from the union. Now they can get it somewhere else. And now, of course, Illinois being Illinois, Illinois legislators have a very brilliant idea to deal with these union issues. Uh, my understanding is that they have proposed to give them far more power. <laughs> that is exactly right. And, you know, as we look at, I think Chicago Teachers Union is just kind of a microcosm of what we're going to see in Illinois. So CTU has wanted to replace mayoral authority with union control. Lori Lightfoot has said that CTU has aspirations beyond being in union that that really like to take over not just Chicago public schools, but take over running the city government. And to a greater degree than they already do. To the, exactly, exactly. They don't want to have to fight Lori Lightfoot. They just want to be in total control. So what we're seeing on a statewide scale is unions are seeking to replace lawmaker authority with union control. And that is in Amendment 1, which will be on the ballot next, this November of 2022. And it, it guarantees it, it will be the most extreme union power grab in the nation if it is passed by Illinois voters. It does, it does four things. It actually um, creates a fundamental right to collective bargaining for all employees. That's not something that is in any other state constitution. It was attempted it, in 2012 in Michigan, but it was defeated. Right, exactly. Um, it guarantees bargaining over wages, hours, working conditions, economic welfare, and safety. Those two things, economic welfare and safety, are, are words that don't appear- Yeah, that, that's literally everything. <laughs> Everything. Exactly. So it is unlimited. And I think the safety word is is very interesting in light of things like CTU or what they're doing, um, because they claim that this is all about safety, but it's it's really not. <laughs> well, I mean, we've seen I mean, we've seen some really egregious in the private sector. We've seen really egregious abuses of this safety justification. I mean, uh, think back to last uh, two years ago. Now, um, the the New York Times during the uh, the initial riots after the death of George Floyd, um, when they published the the uh, op-ed by Senator Cotton uh, calling for a firm, mm -hmm. even military response to put down the put down the violence, uh, you know the the News Guild, a uh, bunch of their members, reportedly with guidance from the News Guild. You know, put out statements saying that this made them unsafe and that and therefore the the op ed page staff had to be had to go. And many mm. of them went. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so it, th these words are all encompassing. There is no restriction then on what they can demand. 
And what's even more alarming with this amendment is that it prohibits lawmakers from passing laws that interfere with or diminish these rights. So lawmakers, you know, two years from now could decide, oh, wow, the unions have more power than we intended for them to have. We're going to pull back on some of these bargaining rights. We're going to limit what they can bargain over. Absolutely not. They can't do that. Um, it, they could decide, you know, wow, Chicago Teachers Union is on strike again. Um, they've done this to kids four times in the last 10 years. Maybe we should restrict a little bit when teachers unions can go on strike. Nope. They won't be able to do that under this amendment. So basically, it replaces lawmaker authority with union control. Um, something that isn't well known about Illinois law is that for many of our government unions, their collective bargaining agreements can override state law if there is a conflict. It is written directly in um, our labor statutes that should there be a conflict between a union contract and a state or local law, the union contract wins out. So wow. that that law as well would never be able to be repealed or restricted. So what this amendment will do will permanently provide. I mean, to so to put to put in a way that like that that you know I, I assume police can collectively bargain in Illinois. Yes, Perfect. I mean certainly it sounds like they would. Yeah. So any sort of change to police conduct regulation, any change to exactly. use of force, uh, use of force standards. Yeah, uh, I, I it would, the, the CBA, the CBA would supersede anything that that a government that exactly. either the state or local government would propose. One of those provisions that was um, under the spotlight following the George Floyd, George Floyd um, death and in the subsequent calls for reform, um, and particularly in Chicago, is a provision that prohibits the investigation of anonymous complaints against police officers. That is something that our General Assembly took up um, in the following session, and they repealed a portion of our laws and rewrote it so that anonymous complaints against police officer misconduct can be investigated. Well, all the Fraternal Order of Police in Chicago needs to do is have a clause in their contract that says no anonymous complaints will be investigated. And there they have basically rewritten Illinois law. Um, and so, you know, with this amendment in place, that would per that would be the perpetual law of the land. Um, it would be replace lawmaker authority. It would hand it directly to unions to be able to write the laws that they want simply by putting them in a contract. Well, <laughs> um. I guess uh, so. Before we uh, before we close here, uh, Miley, uh, anything else that you'd like us uh, to know, either about this issue or about other work you guys are doing at Illinois Policy? Yeah, I you know if there are are teachers who are in Chicago who are listening and they are interested in knowing more about leaving their union, they can visit leavectu.org. That will take them directly to a forum and some information that they can use to get in to, to get the, the proper uh, letters that they need to act out of the union. And we have, um, you know, staff here that are ready to take their questions. So if they, they do have some concerns about opting out, we'd be more than happy to help them out. All right. Well, thank you again to Miley Smith of the Illinois Policy Institute for joining us. We will include 
include a link to her articles on options for teachers who oppose the Chicago Teachers Union's industrial action in today's show notes. That's our show for this week. We encourage our listeners to subscribe on Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify. And if you have subscribed, thank you. And please leave us a five-star rating. Those ratings really help us find new listeners, especially if they come with a positive review.